This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on your power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles. I'm on the Public Service Commission. I serve, along with my four colleagues, uh, the state of Georgia, regulating energy and making sure folks call 811 before they dig, regulating telephone companies that, uh, not AT&T, not cable, not emerging technologies, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff, right, Casey Boyce, my uh, co-host in Decatur, Georgia? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what all you regulate, Tim. Railroads still? <laughs> yeah, we actually regulate the condemnation of land if a railroad um, is going to condemn land. And I've only had one of those cases in 10 years. Well, there you go. I learned something new. Good morning to you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, good morning to you. I did rule against the railroad uh, in favor of Hartwell United Methodist Church. So <laughs> I, uh. I voted against the railroad and it was a, a four to one vote in favor of the church. So it was an ugly dispute between the church and the railroad up there in little old Hartwell, Georgia. Yeah. Railroad stuff is always fun. Did some work with that when I was at the uh, Atlanta Beltline and had to deal with the uh, Federal Railroad Commission. Um, they're, they're big dogs. Yeah, that's right. It is great, Casey, to have Nick Deffley uh, from Savannah on the show today. He's the sustainability director down there. Nick, welcome to Energy Matters. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Casey. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you. Nick, I, I, I love Savannah. I come there as often as I can for various reasons. But you've been there a while. I mean, Savannah is an area that's very concerned about sustainability, about air quality, water quality. Have you found that in folks of all political parties? Yeah, you know, I I really have. Um, We are a low-lying coastal community. We depend on the coast for some of our livelihood. It's, you know, certainly the Georgia ports here, the fisheries, the ecotourism piece, all of our tree canopy, and understanding our connection to nature. I think a lot of Savannians really do appreciate that. So, uh, Nick, uh, you've been there for a while, um, but for our listeners who you know aren't familiar with what sustainability directors do, what do you do there <laughs> at the city of Savannah? <laughs> that is a great question. Uh, and as I figure it out, I'll continue to let you know and update you. But I, I would say, <laughs> f- first off, you know, we, I really operate as kind of a consultant to all of the other operational areas, as you can imagine, that are in the city, from our public works, stormwater, water resources, traffic, uh, our infrastructure, uh, to a lot of our community engagement work. So we really cover the gambit. Um, a lot of sustainability offices you'll see around the country, they focus on some main areas. Those would include things like transportation and connectivity, uh, waste and reduction of waste streams. Thinking about energy use, of course, clean energy, energy efficiency, um, water quality. And, you know, we also put quite a bit of, of focus on social equity, environmental justice, and just kind of community engagement and everything that we do down here as well. Casey, uh, when I was getting one of my master's in public relations, one of the topics of conversation was always how does a public relations professional who works for a company get themselves into a position to be able to influence upper management, top-level executives with best practices, right? So how do you keep from just being down there in a department and be, versus being in the meetings that really can make a difference in whether a company is utilizing best practices or not? Now, think about Nick. I think about Andrew Saunders in Athens. I think about John R. Seidel and some of the folks in Atlanta. I think I think the the challenge for sustainability in the future is how do we take guys like Nick and get them in into positions in cities all over the state of Georgia in our case to where they are they are doing exactly what he's talking about being able to inform all of these department heads all of these leaders helping to set policy that really brings forward the best sustainability practices yeah i mean from my standpoint, we are 
we are always trying to have those conversations, educate the the directors of these different operational areas and really make sure they understand the impact and what sustainability, what equity, what clean energy, what energy efficiency uh, can can mean to their not only their total service that they provide to the city and our residents, but also their economic bottom line. It all helps. It's and it, it we find so many mutual benefits when we think about sustainability in a lot of our operations that we just need to continue to pursue further. So you're exactly right, Tim. I mean, we regularly need to be more and more in those higher level meetings to really help shift the entire organization and the community towards that. So you know, when you bring value. Uh, to an organization, when you help organizations get great publicity and awards, uh, these are these are the kind of things I think that our sustainability leaders need to do. And certainly, those opportunities are available. We've seen Andrew Saunders uh, in in Athens, Georgia, you know, become just the preeminent sustainability leader in North Georgia. I mean, the guy knows everything, yeah, yeah. Uh, and people recognize him for that. Uh, Casey, I mean, you work with utilities in other states. Are, are you seeing guys like Nick uh, grow in, 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 in prominence, in influence? Are we seeing more colleges training people in best practices in this way? So I think that the last piece is the easiest to answer, which is, yes, definitely more colleges and universities are training people to work in sustainability and think about all of those connections that that Nick mentioned. And in fact, you know, we've had some guests on the show that have come out of doing some really unique things at colleges and universities um, and, and, you know, gone on to make an impact on on sustainability. So, you know, I think that's definitely coming um, down the road. I, you know, definitely we do also see across the country, there's a lot of other sustainability directors, people who have responsibilities, even if they don't have the title around sustainability. Um, Nick, I'm kind of curious to get your reaction on this. My, my take um, has been kind of from a long-term standpoint that ultimately the organization operates in a way that embraces sustainability in its day-to-day and the position of sustainability director or a sustainability department goes away. Um, But, you know, that being said, um, as Tim mentioned, I'm in the city of Decatur. I was on the city's environmental sustainability board for almost a decade. Um, And, you know, they, they went there too fast, I think, right? So our experience was that they kind of had the sustainability position go away and then they stop doing it. Um, and so they've been able to bring it back, fortunately. Um, but but what's your take on that? I mean, do you think that there's always going to be a need for someone in a role like yours to kind of help push the envelope and, and provide advice and consulting? Or it, does it ultimately go away because everyone's doing it? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a really good question, Casey. I mean, and something I've definitely grappled with and thought about. Um, ideally, my job right now is to work myself out of a job. Yes. I mean, the short answer is I would love to see sustainability, resilience, all just woven into all city operations and how a community thinks and how they engage with whatever problem or challenge they are trying to meet head on. Um, When do I see that happening is entirely another story. I think we still have a lot of work to do to really get this kind of thought process. I mean, we are thinking, I would say, from a sustainability and resilience standpoint, much more holistically about all the different systems, right, that we touch and how it all relates together. So that takes a while. I mean, we, we have a lot of folks who are trained in very specific disciplines, right, who know who are subject matter experts in their area. But if we go into another topic, it's it becomes much more of a challenge to kind of bring in these other pieces. Yeah, I, I don't know, guys, I don't know if we do want you to work yourself out of a job, but because, I, I mean, I go to Savannah a lot, uh, and I've done, you know, numerous things from promoting renewable energy to having my clean energy roadshow there every single year uh, since 2011, going door to door in the oldest black neighborhood uh, and and helping promote energy efficiency along with the Salvation Army. Uh, and, I mean, we've, we've done uh, a lot there as a visitor. But I think when I think about Savannah, I mean, if I were mayor and I'm not, um, I've got my hands full on the commission, but I, th- I think about the old housing stock that you all have down there and how much money people are wasting on utility bills. And Savannah, I think, has done a very good job with some of their programs that they have to improve that housing stock from 
from things of replacing siding and roofs and helping people with that to the obvious things of, you know, the HVAC system and, you know, and tightening up the envelope, that kind of thing. But there's still a lot of those old houses there. You've got, you've got older people there that even qualify for very unique programs like the Hope Works uh, gas furnace replacement program. You know, uh, so I think some of some of this stuff, Nick, simply requires promotion and education and getting getting the word out. But then, you know, you've got all of that stuff that happened with Solarized Tybee and Solarized Chatham, where you had 600, 600 folks apply, 60 people got those arrays. What can we do to get more people now that we have net metering in Georgia, thanks to Thanks to the commission and a certain commissioner, what can we what can we do? What can we do to get more people involved, including businesses like Leopold's Ice Cream and Parker's Convenience Stores? These are people who have the money, who have the wherewithal to do it. What is stopping a Greg Parker from putting solar on his convenience store? I mean, maybe. Maybe it's Nick knocking on his door and saying, you know what, Mr. Parker, we want to recognize 50 companies in Savannah who are doing the best renewable and sustainability practices. We're going to have a contest, and we believe that you are, would be instrumental in leading the way on this. You know, something like that. Casey, am I crazy on this? No, not necessarily. And we should pick it back up as we continue into the next segment, Tim. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting carried away. Hey, we will be right back with Nick and Casey. You're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy Matters. Casey, I guess I was just getting a little fired up there a while ago, and I just completely lost track of time. Uh, not often not often I get on my soapbox. Well, that's not true. I always get nope. on my soapbox, but, <laughs> but at least I'm watching the clock, right, Casey? That's right. Yeah, usually you're pretty good about that, but you know, you're passionate about it, and that's a good thing, right? I mean, more folks should be looking for ways to save money on their energy bill, right? That's what the show's all about. Yeah, that's right. We got Nick Deffley uh, with us today. Nick, you're from Minnesota, and <laughs> you know, I don't know that a lot of our listeners have been up there to that you know, to that uh, ice-infested place. I mean, what was it like growing up up there? I mean, did you ever get to go outside? Well, yeah, of course, Tim. And I, I will clarify now, I, I am not from Minnesota originally. I came from southern Illinois, kind of near St. Louis. But I, I spent 12 long, cold years up in, up in Minnesota. And so I learned a little bit. And it is frigid. And I, I have never felt, you know, your nose crunch up every time you breathe in through your nose or don't drink too hot a coffee on a 
sub-zero day because you got to keep your teeth intact. You don't want to chip them from the temperature shock. So there's crazy (laughs) things to think about up there. I guess every Winter Olympics in the middle of the night, they play that curling where those people are pushing the little things out there and sweeping. Uh, What is that all about? You know, it's an odd... I guess sport is the word for it. Um, I have no idea. It's it's an amazing thing where you you kind of shovel these large granite stones that have been prized possessions, like passed down generation after generation down this ice, and everybody either madly sweeps or they madly brush or something, and they all drink while they do it. I mean, they, they love it. Sounds wow. about right. <laughs> I mean... Would would the equivalent in South Georgia be bowling? I mean, is that the equivalent Ooh. to curling, or is it is it different? Boy, I don't know. That's a good one. I have no idea. Probably more like shuffleboard, don't you think? Shuffleboard, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Lawn Shuff- bowling. Shuffleboard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, um, what else? Did you ever do any of that ice fishing or anything like that? I did a couple times. And, and again, I think more of it probably centered around drinking than catching fish. But um, we had a good time. You you get that auger out. You drill a foot and a half deep hole through the ice. And you get your shack out there. You, you know, you plug in your TV. You get your satellite dish. <laughs> you bring in your cooler, your stove. It's a man cave, a glorified man cave out in the middle of the Arctic. Are you allowed to leave your little house out there, or do you have to pull it back every time? No, you you can leave it out there. And um, the fun every year is watching people who either get on the ice too early and their truck and their rig and their house go down, or they don't pull it off soon enough and everything's starting to thaw out, and you watch those houses just sort of go down and become fish habitats. Unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Every year. It's a different world, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine. Hey, uh, I was talking to Alan Shedd, one of our one of our guests uh, the other day. He has a, a house on the Sapelo River, a little south of you down there towards Darien. But he grew up around that area as a sailboat. We were talking about it, There's only one Georgia island out there he's never been to. But we were talking about the Georgia islands, including Asaba, which, which is right off your coast there. Uh, and, I mean, Georgia has quite a treasure with these barrier islands. Uh, ha- have you been to many of those, and, and am I wrong here in that they're, that they're a great asset to our state, or how do, how do you view the barrier islands? Oh, no, I mean, I, I definitely think they're a major treasure for Georgia, and pretty unique, really. Um, I haven't gotten to as many of them as I would like to, but it's just, it's a joy to be there. It's a joy to take my kids out there and show them all these different marine ecosystems, teach them about how the ecosystems are working out there, and also the protection naturally that it provides for our entire 100 miles of coast. I mean, it's pretty impressive, pretty fun. Yeah, Casey, you have a favorite uh, Georgia island uh, that that you follow or have you been to? Well, we haven't, uh, certainly haven't been to all of the the islands, um, but we've been to a couple of them. We really enjoy Cumberland, so we've gone out there uh, a number of times, both camping and backpacking. Um, and uh, last time we were there, we took uh, the kids and, and the kids' bikes and um, forced them to uh, to bike all the way up to Plum Orchard. Um, and, uh, you know, they still talk about that day. It was, I think it was 14 miles round trip from Sea Camp uh, down there. And uh, just, just an amazing space, an amazing place to be. That's got the horses yeah, too, I'm... right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you've got the horses and, wow, that – that uh, Dungeness, that old uh, burned-out estate on the southern end of the island, mm-hmm. that must have been so majestic. And, folks, if you haven't seen that, you can just Google Dungeness, uh, Cumberland Island, and look it up. And you're, you're just not going to believe that this structure was built on that remote island that doesn't have any way to get you know vehicles to it other than a boat. We've done a, a solar array on Sapelo Island, Nick. I don't know if you followed that. Yeah. We we had a great ceremony and and christened that last summer. You know, and, and put some really nice picnic tables under it. Repaired all the playground equipment. And in my classic form, I had the county commission chairman there. And as I love to do, I love to challenge these leaders in front of people. <laughs> you know, and I, I happen to be good friends with this guy. But I said, I said to him, David. Uh, David and Adam, there were two of the commissioners. I said, this playground is 50 years old. It is time that we that we upgraded this playground. So I got a thumbs up 
pledge from them on that. So hopefully we'll see a, a new playground out there. Meanwhile, let's jump back up to Chatham County in Savannah, where Nick is the sustainability director, where he uh, works every day. Nick, what are what are some of the top projects that you're working on right now in your job? Yeah, uh, a number of them, but I, I would say the the key ones right now we are. You know, city council passed 100% energy resolution back in March. So we are certainly focused on a lot of that uh, and the planning effort around that. But specifically, you know, we're thinking about energy efficiency related to that. So how can we look at, again, you mentioned all the folks that are in really leaky houses that need to tighten them up so that we can start to make those more efficient, reduce the amount of energy or the amount of money they spend on on energy every month on their on their house. Uh, so we're going to be working on weatherization, energy efficiency, also various solar projects coming down the line. So very excited about that. Um, and you guys are getting ready to launch a, another Solarize campaign. Is that right? That's right. I was just going to mention. So the community is really yeah. taking the lead on that one. Uh, with We've got a local branch of the Climate Reality Project and a few other community partners down here who are, yeah, they're, they're leading the way on that, uh, I think certainly make it citywide and and hopefully even beyond that because we of course in any effort like that where you're kind of crowdsourcing you want to make sure you get as many respondents as possible yeah and, and just real quickly for those folks uh who aren't familiar solarize is like a, a group purchase program and and there have been programs down on the coast uh there have been programs in the atlanta area there have been programs in the athens area so it, you know if you're interested uh you can you can find it by just googling around yeah Casey, uh, and I'm going to have Nick make a guess, okay? So we're going to make a guess on how many of the arrays that wind up going in actually have battery systems connected to them. So, Casey, I'm going to start with you. Given that, I guess, the program will wrap up. Will it wrap up this year or next year, Nick? Is it a t- a 2021 or 2020? I, I think they're hoping to wrap it up this year, but it might be early 2021. Okay, so Casey installs next spring, next summer. What do you think? What percent actually well, I, get done? Uh, with storage, you mean? Yeah, with storage. Yeah. So, um, you know, Savannah, of course, being on the coast, a little bit more um, susceptible to hurricanes and tropical storms and things like that. So I'm going to guess 75 to 80%. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Nick? I was going to go much lower. I'm thinking maybe 20%. Yeah, I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say half of them wind up with it. Um, I mean, we had we had Cave Camoni on a recent show, Nick, uh, owner of Better Tomorrow Solar, and he said that net metering, because it, it is cutting the payback on the system from 12 years to about eight years, that it is uh, having a little bit of a chilling effect on their, uh, on their battery business. Uh, so folks are just feeling like I'm I'm getting a better deal, you know, with a solar. I think I'll just do a bigger system on my house and, and, and possibly, you know, reduce my payback even quicker. What else, Nick? What else are you guys working on that's super important to you personally? Uh, one of the big ones has been a project that's not directly tied to energy, but certainly has, has tentacles into that area. Uh, and it's called the Smart Sea Level Sensor Project, which has been a partnership with Georgia Tech as well as our local Chatham Emergency Management Agency in the city of Savannah. Just understanding that with sea levels and all of the storms, you know, we've had four hurricanes in the last four years, uh, three evacuations, having a real realization that we don't have good data on what the, the ocean levels are at various tidally influenced water bodies around the county. So we have deployed about 48 so far of these high reliability, very low cost sea level sensors to start tracking long-term data of what our trends are you know it's it's going to help us think about how we plan our infrastructure how we spend our money in the future as well as like more immediate response to emergency situations so that's been a great project when we come yeah when we come back um, we let's keep let's keep nick going here casey let's bring you back another segment when we come back we're going to talk more about savannah we're going to talk more about decatur atlanta other places, Athens, that have sustainability directors, the impact that these professionals are making. I'm Tim Eccles. Stick around. We'll be right back on Energy Matters.
Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back on Energy Matters. Uh, as always, my co-host with me, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? I'm good. Good morning to you, Tim. Casey, how's your solar array working for you in your house? Are you seeing good performance? Are you pleased with the output and what it's doing for you? Yeah, we've been pretty pleased with the the output and and definitely having solar on the house has been um, you know something that we wanted to do uh, even when we built the house. So it was nice to be able to do it a few years back with the uh, first solarized Decatur to Cab uh, program. Um, you know, it, it's it was interesting because probably the first six months or so that we had it, man, I checked the app religiously. So looking at the production and looking at when we were consuming energy and moving, you know, our HVAC set points around and just really trying to optimize around that. Um, but, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, it's it's just kind of run in the background of our lives. I mean, we, we did the moving around of loads that we needed to to use the solar. And, um, uh, you know, we kind of know when it's going to produce and when we're using energy. So it's been good. Yeah. Uh, Nick Deffley, Sustainability Director for Savannah GA. Nick, uh, great to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, Tim. Nick, what kind of comments do you hear from folks down there? And there's a lot of solar in the Savannah, Chatham County area. What kind of comments are you hearing from folks? They want more of it. I mean, I, th- I think that's the overall response that I got. Even after we finished, you know, the, the solarized Tybee and solarized Chatham, um, People continue to ask me, when are you doing the next Solarize? When, we, when can we get a piece of this? When can we start? So I think there's a lot of anticipation for this next Solarize that we've got coming up. Nick, I know y'all have done a couple of unique things with housing projects. I know that uh, that housing project there on maybe East Bay or West Bay, they're not too far from the historic district. Didn't you guys put solar thermal and some other renewable features on that housing project? And what do you hear from residents? Do they even care? Do they know it's there? Uh, how's that working? Yeah, so we Savannah has two housing developments that they've done in partnership with other developers that are meant to be more sustainable, kind of lower cost to operate, so more energy efficient. One of them on the west side of town that you were mentioning is called Sustainable Fellwood. It was actually a, a pilot lead communities or lead neighborhood project, one of the first of those. They are all solar ready. I think for the most part, they have done pretty well. We've got another neighborhood on the east side of Savannah called Savannah Gardens that was built to another third-party sustainability group called Earthcraft. They are solar ready, but a lot of those, as you mentioned, they had geothermal put in for those. Um, and I know those are both multifamily, they're single family, and, and everything in between. I know that the occupants are definitely seeing a decreased energy bill Uh, which is fantastic. But I do think one of the lessons learned from that has been making sure that homeowners and residents understand these systems because they're different than what they might have grown up with and how to operate them most efficiently in their home. Yeah, I remember going to the 
McDonald's in Abercorn Commons, which is the only lead gold McDonald's that I know of, built by Martin Malaver, uh, uh, you know, a, a Jewish businessman in Savannah who helped with that sustainable Fellwood project, as you probably know. And that, in fact, that whole that whole shopping plaza uh, has all these sustainability features to it. So I was down there. It was a couple years back. And I was wondering, OK, do these people that work here know about this? Do they care? Uh, do they understand the value? So I went into a, a number of the shops and said, are you aware about lead gold, lead what? Uh, you know, never heard of lead, didn't know anything about it. People at McDonald's had no idea. I, Nick, I just feel like, and I hate to get on my soapbox, but at least it's early in the segment, right, Casey? Uh, I, I, just, I just feel like we've got to do a better job of connecting the dots for, for folks out there in the neighborhoods, in the, in, in the apartments, in the housing projects, whatever, where we've got this, we've got to help them see that their behavior coupled with technology can save money and energy. I mean, how do we do this, Casey Boyce? I mean, how do we go about this whole education process that I'm talking about? Well, I think it's it's a couple of things. One is just making it part of the fabric of, of how we do business, right? So uh, City of Decatur a couple of years back passed a updated uh, building uh, ordinance that requires all uh, new buildings and substantial renovations to comply with a third-party standard like LEED or Earthcraft that, that Nick has mentioned, right? So, you know, it, it just happens naturally, right? But I think the other piece is helping make the connections that Nick talked about earlier in the show, which is, you know, let's say you're thinking about buying a house. It's not just the mortgage that you have to consider. It's also your utilities. It's also your commute to work. It's all, thinking about all of these things together in terms of your cost to live in that specific area and the impact that it's going to have on, on your life. And it's true of a business owner as well, right? Thinking about, you know, utilities and, and you know, how much that's going to impact profit margin, um, you know, the indoor air quality for customers and making it an enjoyable place to be. And, and even now, right, with COVID happening, indoor air quality is so important because of the, the way that it's being transmitted. And, and we built so many sick buildings, quite frankly, that being you know, intentional about bringing in inside air, filtering it really well, um, is not just a quality of, of, you know, life for the occupants. It's literally, you know, the, the difference between transmitting COVID or not, right, in some cases. Yeah, Nick, I mean, you're down there, you're talking to people. I mean, you can't make people care about it, right? I mean, people are trying to survive. They've got other issues. Energy may be way back there down their list. I mean, as you talk to people, how do you communicate this stuff? Well, you know, I think one of the challenges that you're talking about is that it, it seems to be different for everybody. You have to figure out what motivates folks, what's important to various folks, and that can be different. And so, for sure, you know, part of it is just having that conversation a little bit one-on-one, -on -one, which is the frustrating part. You know, you, you want to be able to blast this out wholesale and get everybody to jump on the same bandwagon, but it's, I have not found it to be that easy. Uh, one case in point with the Savannah Gardens development, that whole development went through great pains to save a lot of the mature trees, to use a shading on areas where, you know, these are homes that are getting geothermal, that are solar ready. Uh, one of the single occupancy homes, again, close, but not dangerously close to a large tree. A year after that home was purchased, the owners wanted to cut down that tree because they were concerned about the threat of pests that might live in the tree that might come into their home or, um, you know, the potential of it falling during a storm near their home. Um, but the reality is the value that that tree provides to them for shading and cooling of their home and saving on energy is, you know, they weren't really thinking about that. And we explained that, and it, you know, it was something they had to then weigh out. And the other thing, too, that, that I learned fairly recently is just the value of trees on stormwater. Um, they not only do the roots soak up stormwater, but the leaves actually hold quite a bit of stormwater. And so, you know, again, this it's those connections and those things that people don't necessarily think about. And, and you know, when you're making a decision, you've got to weigh all of those uh, things, not just, you know, uh, is it going to fall on my house or not? Certainly a valid concern right but there, there's a lot of other things to weigh too yeah let's talk about this solar ready thing this reminds me casey and, and i've gotten on this bandwagon before the university of georgia 
in our listening audience did a, did a solar thermal ready high rise dorm. All the plumbing, which is frankly the expensive part of it. But they never completed the project. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Nick, let me ask you, well, solar ready, is it worth anything if you never put solar on the actual house? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Tim. I think um, it's great to say it, and it's great to put all, you know, those costs into the construction and the design at the time you're building that building. But if you don't have a dedicated plan and a commitment to say, okay, within one to two years, we're going to get that installed on there, and we're going to um, kind of complete that whole design, then I think you're, kinda, you're definitely missing out. And we've got lots of solar-ready buildings that are not, don't, don't have PV on them. Yeah, so um, we only have a couple of minutes left in the segment, so maybe we bleed into the next one. But you, you mentioned earlier on how um, the city council just passed the 100% clean energy. You're doing a lot of planning on that. It seems like these solar-ready homes are a, a big part of how you might get there. I, I'm curious to hear kind of how you're thinking about that, because that, that's a big transition. And I know a number of cities have made similar commitments, um, but mm-hmm. it, it's not as easy as just making that decision and, and doing it. Where, where are you at on that? Yeah, um, you're right. And it is very ambitious. Um, And I think certainly it's going to be a mix of doing everything we can uh, tangibly here. But tangibly, what we can do currently is not enough, right? There's going to have to be continued policy work and and everything else at the state level. And and I anticipate that will continue. Um, But yeah, it's we are at the beginning stages. And I know it's going to be a very long-term kind of conversation getting through a lot of that. Uh, you know, I agree with Casey that that the solar-ready facilities are the low-hanging fruit uh, because uh, most of the infrastructure is already there. So, you know, maybe that can be Maybe that can be a topic of conversation on, on this show. Certainly, as a statewide elected official, I do care about Savannah. I care about Athens. I care about our whole state. But because Savannah is situated in a, a very um, sustainably sensitive area of our state where people do care about it, I feel like that a PR campaign down there uh, to finish that project at Sustainable Feldwood, you know, could get some legs. I feel like people might get behind that and say, hey, we've gone this far. Why don't we finish the race? And here's what it will cost us per unit to finish this. I mean, maybe Casey is 5,000, maybe it's 10,000. I don't know, but stick around. We, I, I want to keep this conversation going. I want to get on my soapbox when we get back, Casey, about this 100% stuff and maybe All talk right. about how it compares to like some of the mask ordinances that are going on. So, hey, stick around. We'll be, we'll be right back. This is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. They're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry. Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for being a member of City Possible. Um, we, we all know that cities often have shared uh, issues or opportunities. And um, a lot of these issues are stemming from the acceleration of urbanization within cities. Half of today's population already live in cities and it's expected to be about 70% by 2050. And unfortunately what we're seeing is a lot of these cities are trying to solve for these urban issues in isolation. And you know, for that reason they end up 
trying to reinvent the wheel and um, they are, they're just not bringing in, you know, or, or they're not reaching the right folks to help them. So what City Possible aims to do is to be the leading connector for cities to co-create pilot and scale solutions that will be able to have an impact to improve people's lives. And so uh, we are working with multiple cities um, around the globe in having these um, ideation sessions and bringing private, public, nonprofit tech partners to the table and having conversations around, you know, how can we improve quality of life for the residents in your community? And it's, it's about the discussion um, and it's main topics, Mike, like you mentioned, like mobility financial inclusion, um, leveraging data to make smart decisions. So an example, I talked about City Key, another example would be the work that we're doing within transit and with mobility. So over 180 cities around the world are leveraging shared learnings to help transform the way that residents and tourists are accessing their public transportation through the advancements of technology. And so right here in the US, New York, MTA, and Miami all launched contactless payments in the past few months. And what that means is that residents and tourists can now access transportation without having to stop at a vending machine to, to get a ticket. They can just use a contactless card, a mobile device, or a wearable and tap and go. And that has really streamlined the daily commute, but it's also made uh, it easier for tourists to access pe uh, transportation because now as they visit different cities around the world, it's the same process, it's consistent. In addition to that, it has provided cities and the transit authorities with many efficiencies, cost efficiencies, um, operational efficiencies, and others. We now resume our regular scheduled program. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Casey Boyce. I'm co-host here with Tim Eccles, uh, Commissioner on the Georgia Public Service Commission. And uh, we have today with us Nick Deffley, who is the Sustainability Director for City of Savannah. And just before the break, Tim threatened to get into mask ordinances and clean energy uh, commitments. So I think we're going to come back and, uh, in, you know, in the, the vein of this show being about energy and sustainability, maybe let's continue the conversation, Nick, uh, around clean energy and, and just sort of how how you're thinking about this planning process. We, we, we talked about how um, it, it is a substantial commitment, right? And that there are things in play right now, including solar ready homes, um, you know, solarized projects. Uh, you talked earlier in the show about a lot of the energy efficiency work that you're doing there in Savannah. Um, but, you know, wh what kinds of things do you think need to happen to really enable you to get to 100% clean energy there in Savannah? First off, and as we've kind of talked about, Savannah does not have, I mean, we've done a lot of solar work, but there is a ton more to do that we could really start jumping in on. You know, we're also looking at a lot of our fleets and our fleet practices and starting to transition those more dramatically to EV. But I think additionally, there's a whole lot we need to do on just energy efficiency and weatherization. You know, as, you, as you're looking at all the different energy components, you I don't want to be slapping solar panels onto a really leaky house, right? Sure. I want to tighten that house up, get it energy efficient and scale the solar to what we actually need. Um, and so I think, or, or whatever that renewable energy form is going to be, but I think that's a fair amount of it. Um, you know, thinking about larger solar arrays, if we're working with Georgia Power on some of that, um, finding the the spaces, finding the properties down here or the, the parcels that are large enough to, to really help meet some of that demand and some of that interest, I think is going to be a big part of it too. Hey, Casey, let's give credit where credit is due. Last time I was in Savannah, I saw a couple of Nissan Leafs running around with the city of Savannah logo. Nick, I just want to say that very few cities and counties in the state of Georgia have figured out how to incorporate electric vehicles in in your fleet and you guys deserve special recognition for that tell us about those nissan lease how you're using them how the employees like driving them how, how that duty cycle is is working against the car's uh, specifications yeah no i'm glad you brought that up tim we have really been excited to get these you know we, right now we have two nissan leafs they are we are leasing those vehicles, so typically we have been purchasing vehicles outright for our fleet. I think we're starting to transition away from that, and along with that, that means we're probably going to open into more uh, alternative fuel and electric vehicles. So what seemed to make the most sense for us 
uh, we did a, a pretty deep analysis with Georgia, Te- uh, excuse me, Georgia Power and uh, the Will at Work program that they've got to assess some of the use patterns of our vehicles. Our parking uh, attendant vehicles were some of the ones that seemed most primed and ready to switch over to electric vehicles of any others that we have in operation right now. So we've started with that, with a plan to move further into that uh, as we kind of meet our vehicle replacement schedule. So we're not getting rid of vehicles too fast. We're waiting until it's kind of scheduled to replace, but uh, moving towards EV is the point. Yeah, Casey, I know that there's a ton of residents indicator that have electric vehicles. I mean, it could be, it could be the city that has the most EVs per capita over any other city in the state. It's, it's my guess. But how about yeah. the city itself? Do you feel like the city itself is buying into this? And I know you you serve on one of the, you know, on one of the zoning board um, committees. There has conversation come up about EVs in Decatur. Um, so not on the the zoning side, um, but I've done some work with the city of Decatur on on its fleet. And you know, my goodness, Tim, the city's four square miles. If an EV can work anywhere, it can work in the city of Decatur. And uh, our our leadership, unfortunately, has been unwilling to take the plunge even in testing out EVs. I think they've they bought some hybrids and things like that. And you know, really, a lot of the the challenge is that the state's fleet procurement doesn't have any EVs in it. So I think you know, Nick, you probably had to step a little bit outside of that process in order to lease these leafs and and start looking at at EVs, didn't you? I want to correct okay. that because I went down and spoke to all the procurement officers, did a thirty minute slide presentation pitched it and afterwards all of a sudden the kia nero plug-in hybrid and the kia soul ev were all on the procurement list so good decatur could get a kia nero which has great range time for another letter to the to the city council casey indeed Uh, yeah uh, nick you you talk to your colleagues i mean andrew saunders and john r and i mean what are their thoughts i mean atlanta's i mean stephanie stuckey was the first, right? She really stepped up and did that for Atlanta under Kasim Reed. Um, but what are you hearing from your colleagues? And do you even have that many colleagues around the state? Our cities copying what Savannah's doing, hiring sustainability directors. Surprisingly, we are building a, a pretty nice cohort of sustainability directors around Georgia, and it's been growing pretty rapidly just in the last year and a half, I would say. As you say, they're not all just dedicated sustainability directors or managers or anything like that, but they have that as part of their, their work scope and their job description. Uh, certainly Atlanta, Athens are all there, but you know Decatur, I think Woodstock, Augusta. We have our kind of Georgia cohort calls probably once a month where we're all talking to each other. And so we're all learning from each other as we go on this kind of runaway train and just making sure that we're all kind of staying consistent, but also learning from each other. I mean, it's amazing to me. I would say there are some things where Savannah has been great at being one of the first in the state on. Uh, you know, I know and then just the region, like Tybee had the first solar eyes in the state of Georgia, but uh, and we were really able to benefit from that and, and tag on to that. Same time, um, there are things that Atlanta or Athens are doing that, you know, I'm jumping onto through Savannah and, and vice versa. And we are we are talking to each other all the time because this is kind of new for all of us. But that group is building. It's growing, which is exciting. Casey, I, I teased in the last segment that I was going to to bring up these mask ordinances and the 100 percent so uh, i, I want to ask you casey i'm gonna put you on the spot Uh-oh. i'm gonna ask you my trusted co-host yeah i'm not gonna ask nick this because i don't want to get him fired um <laughs> <laughs> casey do you know what the similarity is between a city mask ordinance and a city 100 percent clean energy ordinance do you know what you know what the similarity is in those two things I don't, and I'm afraid my batting average in answering questions that you put me on the spot uh, for is going to go down as a result. Here it is. You know, I wonder if our listening audience, you know, sees this the way that I see it. Here, here it is, is that there was never an intent to enforce it. So if you just Google mask ordinance and enforcement, even the AJC in their most recent interview at the time of this recording said that there were zero arrest in the state of Georgia for violation of mask ordinance. And they interviewed a number of different cities, city officials. And the city officials basically said, well, you know, we didn't intend to 
enforce this. This was really just a message that we were sending. I really believe that the 100% clean energy mandates that the cities are passing, they can't possibly be serious because they don't own any generation. They don't have any power generation. Uh, They don't have the ability to spend the kind of capital that it would require to build a large enough solar array in order to provide all of the power. Yeah, maybe they buy some credits or certificates or something like that, but they can't possibly do 100%. That it really just reflects the sentiment of the councils, and most of them give themselves escape clauses, right? They're not really ordinances. They are something that they can very easily get out of, and I believe it's really just something to satisfy the whim of voters. Nick, thanks for being on the show today. I hope I don't get you fired. I hope so, too. I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you, you can just disclaim everything and, and, and blame it on the commissioner. Casey, great to be with you as always. Indeed. Likewise. Have a great uh, Saturday, everyone. Yeah. Find us on Matters Radio on Twitter. I'm at Tim Eccles. He's at Casey Boyce. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great Saturday, everybody. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over Georgia. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. The folks there understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll unpack it all. They've been in business for over 25 years. To find out more, go to SolarSunWorld.com. That's SolarSunWorld.com. Do-it-yourself doesn't have to mean all by yourself. Help is as close as homedepot.com slash workshops. Now with free DIY live stream workshops, live hands-on courses from real expert associates. Learn how to install floor tile, create a tile backsplash, replace a thermostat, and more. All from the best seat in the house, yours. To register, go to homedepot.com slash workshops. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.